Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sisters in Sustainability podcast. As always, I am your host, Victoria Lynn. It's the new year, and that means we have a whole new group of incredible women to introduce you to. Today, we are joined by a young woman from the greatest state around, my home, Pennsylvania. Here to kick off the new year and talk about her community service initiative, it's my pleasure to introduce my friend, my sister, and my former Miss Pennsylvania roommate, Juliana Denick. Juliana, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you. So if you wouldn't mind taking a second to introduce yourself and tell them what it is that you do. Sure. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I'm a listener. Like you said, we were Miss Pennsylvania roommates. So as soon as I found out about the CISPOD, I've been all about it. Um, sustainability is so important to me and we've discussed this so much. So I can't wait to talk to your listeners about it. Um, I, like you said, I'm Juliana Denick. I am a special education teacher and I'm also a disability rights advocate. I'm someone living with an invisible disability and my community service initiative, Glowing Together, Shining a Light on Invisible Disability, discusses how we can shine a light on these disabilities that might not be seen and bring them to the forefront of people's minds and get them the justice and the services that they need. So for those of you who are new to the CISPOD, every week we talk about the impact that women from all across the country are having on the modern sustainability development movement by highlighting how each individual's passions, projects, and different work impacts one of the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Sustainable Development Goal 16, Peace, Justice, and Safe Institutions targets equality gaps in our legislative bodies, advocates for inclusive spaces, and promotes a platform for positive change among current systems. As we are discussing the need to support those with invisible disabilities, you mentioned that one of your focuses is legislative action. So how do you plan to engage legislators to remove barriers for people dealing with all types of disabilities? And what specific changes are you looking to help make in our legislative bodies? That's a great question. So I have been working really hard to get in touch with my local legislators and to meet with them. I have attended probably eight or nine events hosted by my local congressman and to the point where he knows me by name, like I walk into an event, he's like, there you are. And it's very exciting now to not just be another email in his like, hey, I'm your constituent and I want to talk to you. But to the point now where we're having real conversations, I go up to him at events. Um, he's very active with supporting the elderly in our community. And if you don't know, elderly people are the most likely to develop invisible disabilities as you age. You're either likely to develop an invisible disability or die young. That's your two options really in life. And so we've been talking a lot about how we can better support the elderly in our community. And we've had all these discussions. He's had all these events. I live in a 55 and older community with my grandmother. And so I've brought her to a lot of the events. I've brought our neighbors to the events. And so it's now to the point where he knows me and he'll say, oh, I, I am working on this legislation or I'm meeting with other leaders and we're doing this. And it's it's amazing to be able to have that conversation and, and not just be another face in the crowd, but to be you know, somebody who's pushing for that. And that really has sparked a lot of love of law in me. Um, and I also... I'm looking forward to working more with my state legislators to like the National Congress, because there's a law being passed right now, the SSI Penalty Act, that would remove the Social Security penalty that's only $2,000. So if you're on federal disability, you can only have $2,000 in savings. And they're working on reversing that law. I, I love your shocked face. I know that's how most people feel when you learn about that. I already um, know that security system is screwed up, but I did not realize that they cap out how much you could have in your personal savings. Yes. Or else you lose your benefits. 
and you cannot get married because then you and your spouse are both tied to that two thousand dollars so your spouse would not be able to hold a job and that's, that's why crazy people still do not have equal access to marriage like we do not have equal rights marriage in this country because disabled people are still being treated like that and so i'm working to get more in touch with my federal lawmakers to say hey i'm not just another face in your crowd i'm very serious about this and this needs to be changed for the i mean in my county alone there's 300,000 pennsylvanians who are disabled and who live on disability benefits and that's not fair to them that's that's insane like i said i already knew that the are uh, the social security systems were absolutely bonkers. I had no idea the way that it impacted people with disabilities. So, well, and first of all, I'd like to say to our listeners, Jay is selling herself short here. She just got accepted to law school. So she's going to be attending law school in Philadelphia, which we're so excited about. So not only is she advocating, but she is also working at the forefront of becoming educated on how to create change for those laws. So I'm so excited for you on that front, but talk to us more. So not only are you an advocate, not only do you live in these actual environments where you can talk about other people's experiences with invisible disabilities, but you struggle with your own. So can you talk about more of your personal journey with invisible disabilities and how it has influenced your, your advocacy work? Sure. Um, so I've always had an invisible disability. When I was a child, I had a speech and language disability. So I was not able to basically make any sounds. I had braces for 10 years. I was in intensive speech and language therapy a couple times a week at my elementary school. And I had mouth surgery, a couple of them to like fix out my mouth and the shape of my mouth because I could not create sounds. It wasn't just, oh, your smile's not pretty or perfect or whatever. It was, I literally couldn't make words. Um, and so I had amazing special educators and my teachers really taught me how to advocate for myself. If I was in class and I couldn't do a certain thing because of the barrier of my disability, I couldn't understand the words they were saying and I couldn't replicate them. They would say, hey, like, this is how you could advocate for yourself within my classroom. And that really influenced me as I grew up to say, hey, I wanna be able to do that for students. I ended up teaching drama to students with disabilities who were somewhat nonverbal and like teaching them how they could use drama and theater to help create their voice and to find their voice. And through that, then I became a special education teacher and I love it. Um, I also have an invisible disability, which is chronic inflammation. And I also have a migraine disorder. So throughout my whole educational career, I've had to say like, listen, I need attendance modifications. I need um, different testing modifications or environment modifications because your classroom is too bright. Your screen is like too much. Your the noise level in your classroom, all these different things, the heat, the cold, there's a lot of things that unfortunately impact me and I take medicine and I do my best to stay fit, Miss America fit, and to work around those problems. But sometimes they come up and I have to advocate for myself and say, this is not going to work for me. And I've had a lot of pushback and I, I know my legal rights and I'm not afraid to use them. <laughs> so in terms of visibility, how do you navigate being present as a person with invisible disabilities in public? And what challenges have you faced? Obviously, you know, we're using the word invisible here. People don't always recognize that those suffering with depression, those suffering with mental health, those who might be suffering with an invisible illness can't always recognize that need for assistance. So as a person who's trying to create that visibility, how do you navigate that kind of market there? Sure. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so one way I do that is as a special education teacher, I mean, I'm always, if my students have a health concern on top of maybe just like their reading disability, what have you. 
And sometimes their parents don't really know how to navigate that within the school system and within the school setting. And I will just, you know, straight up be honest and be like, I also have a chronic disability. I had a student who had migraines in the past. And so the, their parents were very concerned about like, well, they need to wear sunglasses inside and the classroom is too bright or the environment is too much. And I was like, listen, I also have that same issue. If your student needs to learn with the lights off, that's a dream come true for me. So it's a win-win. Um, and just really trying to be open with people and be honest. And that can be really scary as someone with a disability and especially someone who presents as a young, healthy woman. There's a lot of stigma around like, well, you look fine, but in reality, I don't look fine. And I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like, I might look fine, but I'm not. And that's that's all I can say to people, you know, and like when people come up to me and say, well, you know, I don't think that you're a good ambassador for people with invisible disabilities. It's like, no, that's exactly the point that you think that I don't look disabled. And so you don't think I can be disabled. And that's, you know, that's the whole thing with visibility is if you see people and you start to understand and empathize with these other points of view, then you're able to really be inclusive and understand. Something that will always make me laugh about serving in an advocacy role is that Sometimes people get the point without getting the point at all. Yes. I cannot relate. I I cannot relate as being a visible person um, dealing with an invisible illness or an invisible injury uh, or an invisible disability. Uh, however, I talk about sustainability all the time. And so when I'm talking about climate change, people will say, well, I don't think that there should be plastic on the ground, but blah, 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 blah. But I don't care about this climate change stuff and sustainability doesn't matter to me. And I'm like, what's crazy is you've understood the point about what I'm talking about, but it's just gone right over your head. So it's always interesting listening to the way that advocates kind of have to advocate for themselves and advocate for our causes and how it goes past common sense sometimes, but sticking in with the work that you're doing right at home, can you share some of the experiences in educating students and of course your community about disabilities. I know that you work as a special education teacher and you have in the past. So how do you find that balance between being a teacher and being an advocate? Sure. Uh, it can be really hard sometimes. I mean, being a teacher, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's an easy job. You get the weekends off, you get the summers off. But there have been times where I've stayed at the school building from eight in the morning until eight at night just to get I mean, IEPs and other legal paperwork for special education can be a lot. And I have had large caseloads in the past, so it can be challenging to figure all of that time scheduling out. I've also created resources to go and speak to my community. I've gotten the chance to speak to a couple organizations within the Westchester University community and get to share with them how their specific club or their impact that they're making on the community also relates to the disability experience. A lot of people don't know that there's such broad overlap between whatever your club may be doing and the disability experience because invisible disabilities are everywhere. The statistics that you will run into someone with an invisible disability, you're almost twice as likely to run into someone with an invisible disability versus someone with a visible disability, something like a wheelchair or another mobility aid that you can obviously tell. So switching gears a little bit, I know that this is something that you and I have talked about at length, but I, I would love for our listeners to hear more about your journey and what has led you to compete in the Miss America organization. Oh my gosh, this is a long one. So I've always said that I've been a longtime lurker of the Miss America and the Miss Pennsylvania organizations. Um, when I was a child, we used to go down the shore and watch the Miss America show us your shoes parade. It was everything. And then we would get Mac and Michael pizza on the way home and we would sit on the couch and watch the competition 
And I always thought, wow, like these women are beautiful. They're so talented, but that's so inaccessible to me. I mean, I'm a girl sitting on the couch watching pizza and they are absolutely killing it and changing the world. That could never be me. And for the longest time, I just lived in that self-doubt and especially being a person with an invisible disability, I always thought, well, those, those girls don't have disabilities. Those girls are perfect. They have these perfect lives. And as I've grown up and I've you know, matured and come into my own and I've said, well, a lot of these women also have struggles and they're turning those struggles into action. And I looked at my own life and I said, that's what I'm doing. And there's no reason that I cannot be there and try this out. Um, and so last year, I was uh, my first year of teaching and I was just working on IEP paperwork and I happened to take a break and go on Instagram and they said, Miss Pennsylvania, we're doing digital delegates. And I thought, what's the harm in trying? You know what? It's never, nothing in life is ever easy, but everything is worth a shot. If there's something that's always been your dream, you sh- I just think you should try it. And so, yeah, I wrote up a little essay and I sent it in. I did a little video and all of a sudden I was going to Miss Pennsylvania and it was an amazing experience. And I'm so happy to be a part of this organization to get to not just share my story, but to get to wear the crown and really like use that crown as a megaphone. I know our past Miss Miss Pennsylvania, Alyssa Bainbridge said that a lot, but it really is such a megaphone. When I walk in somewhere with the crown on, people are like, oh, who are you? What are you doing? And then I get to tell them all about the amazing, amazing work that we can do together to create inclusion in our community. And that's been game changing to me. The crown really does kind of like give people a whole new level of authority that we we don't have. I know when I walk into a room, I primarily I work with youth and and usually fifth grade and above. And so when I will walk into a fifth grade classroom and everybody looks at me and they're like, you're a princess. You must have something important to say. But the second the crown comes off, I could still be in that room with those people. They have no idea who I am. They have not a care in the world about what it is I have to say. So the crown really does somehow, some way give people like a reason to stare at you and, and listen, they want to listen to what this person wearing this really sparkly piece of jewelry has to say. So Alyssa, I mean, she was hundred percent correct in saying that it is a megaphone and it's a platform and it's a beacon and it's all of the number of descriptions we could use for it. But sticking with that theme and that idea you were obviously a Digital Sweeps member, so you are getting ready to compete for the 2024 season. And I know that you've got a pretty big competition coming up around the corner. This episode is going to come out right before Miss America, but just a week later, you will be competing for the title of a Miss Philadelphia. So how do you plan to... Pl- should you become the next Miss Philadelphia, you know, do you have a plan that you're looking forward to in promoting not only your CSI, but involving the Miss America organization in that type of advocacy work? Yes. So honestly, to me, Miss Philadelphia is the dream title. I know Miss Miss Pennsylvania and Miss America would be amazing titles to have and game-changing, life-changing titles. But I've always seen Miss Philadelphia in parades and everything. So I know the impact that she has on our local community. And I would love to be Miss Philadelphia to continue my advocacy work as a disability rights advocate here in our area. Um, I want to, number one, work with the Mayor's Office of Disability. It's a newly created office, and they are working not just on legislation to better the lives of people with invisible disabilities, but they are also, like, kind of a new branch is working on finding ADA violations all throughout our city and nabbing them with them and getting those fixed so that people with disabilities can access our public spaces. because. I will tell you, like in downtown Philly, there's not a lot of accessible bathrooms. My father is in a wheelchair and his doctor's in downtown Philly. And sometimes we'd go out to lunch and it'd be like, 
oh, we have nowhere to go to eat lunch. We have nowhere to go for you to use the bathroom. We can't go shopping because all of these stores are like two steps up and their accessible entrance is all the way in the back and it's so narrow, a wheelchair can't fit through. And so being able to work with that commission and find those spaces and think how we can make them more inclusive and not just like, oh, we're going to find them and move on, but how can we make those spaces more inclusive? How can we work together as a community to fix our community and make it better for people with uh, invisible and visible disabilities? I also work with Alex's Lemonade Stamp Foundation, which is local, started here in Pennsylvania. I know it's an amazing organization. I've been a part of a lot of their events. I have an event actually the day before Miss Philadelphia. I'll be volunteering at their largest fundraiser of the year. So it'll be a busy weekend for me. <laughs> I know. And um, I would love to continue that work as Miss Philadelphia. That's wonderful. I always, I think that you know, unfortunately, advocacy work is also the most inconvenient work in the world. And so, of course, of course, you have a big event right before you have another big event. It's just part of the, you know, part of the the job, I guess. Yes. But you have a lot of big things coming up for you. Not only are you publishing a children's book, but you are also starting your own podcast. Can you tell our listeners more about your upcoming initiatives and how you plan to use them to continue your advocacy work? Sure. Um, so first I'll talk about my book. It's called AJ is Okay. And it's about a girl finding out that she has invisible disability and how that impacts her in school. And for me, like it's very kind of autobiographical. As a teacher, I know that children's books are either windows, mirrors, or doors. And for me as a child, there were not a lot of windows or mirrors for someone who had an invisible disability. I never really read a book and saw another person who had a disability other than the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation book. And I obviously did not have cancer. So it was kind of not a great mirror for me. Um, and so I would love to write this book. I've been working on it for a while in order to get that out there for students that, hey, you can have a disability and you can still go to school, but it can impact your schooling and that's okay. And here's why, and here's how you can advocate for yourself and have people help you. Um, and that will also tie in with some of the classroom initiatives that I have, my educational programs. So I'm very excited just to be able to bring that book into classrooms, not just my own, but in others throughout the Commonwealth and especially our area. Um, and then my podcast, it's called Glowing Together, and that's going to allow me to talk with other people within the disability community and just have them share their experiences, share their stories. A lot of times people on the outside of the disability community don't know what it means to have a disability. They don't understand all of the struggles or, you know, they might not understand all of the different barriers that we go, like we have to face. Um, and so just allowing those people to come in. And even I don't know all the barriers. I mean, I've talked to people who will say different things and I'm like, oh, I cannot believe that that happened to you or that that's your experience in, in this place or this educational setting. And so just being able to bring that to people's attention is really important to me. I am so excited to listen to your podcast and to be able to learn more. Like I said, I don't struggle with an invisible disability. I have many friends who do, obviously. And so it will be really awesome to get some more insight into what it is for people to be like that. Obviously, I'm a sustainable development advocate and invisible illness is covered in sustainable development goal three, good health and well-being. And so to even be able to listen to your podcast and have a better understanding of how to promote the work that I'm doing is something I am so looking forward to. And so I can't wait for all of that to come out. And I especially can't wait for my listeners to become your listeners because I can just say, I know how much wonderful, how many wonderful things that you have to say. And I 
I want the world to know about you. So I'm so excited. Um, but unfortunately, we have reached the end of our interview. And so anybody who's listened knows what comes next. You're a listener. So you know, know what comes next, or at least I hope you're prepared for what comes next. But Juliana, what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young person that wants to create positive change in the world? I would say, don't let what you perceive to be your limits stop you. For the longest time, I was an outside lurker because I thought nobody who has a disability could do the work that I'm currently doing with a disability. The only thing that was stopping me was my own mindset. And I think the limits that people put on you don't exist. The only limits that exist are whatever your physical or mental limits may be. And, you know, we've all reached them, but push past it because you can do amazing and great things. Yes, 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 yes. I always say that the price of ambition is comfort. And when you ask yourself, you know, what are the limitations on my dreams? The limitation is how uncomfortable you are willing to get. And so I love, love that. So to our listeners back at home, push yourself and don't let perceived notions of you stop you from doing anything. That's advice I think all of us can take. Um, so to our listeners back at home, follow Juliana's journey as she continues to promote inclusivity for those dealing with invisible illnesses by following her on Instagram at shining a light on ID. And for those of you who are wondering how you can stay in the know about upcoming episodes and all things, sustainability and sustainable development, don't worry. The sisters in sustainability, Instagram is no more. However, that's because we have a huge announcement. We've officially launched the hashtag simple changes youth ambassadors program open to all high school students ages 13 to 18. So if you know of a young person that wants to develop marketable professional skills, all while advocating for positive, sustainable change, follow our new Instagram page at simplechanges.ya. All of the new and old episodes of the sisters and sustainability podcast can be found at sustainability starts with you every Friday on our story. Learn about all the different ways that you can help achieve the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And remember that sustainability really does start with you. Thanks for listening.